We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, during John Harbaugh's weekly Monday press conference, the Ravens head coach was brutally honest about Ronnie Stanley's overall play and health at left tackle moving forward down the stretch. Yeah, and Sarah, as promised, there was plenty of follow-up discussion on some of the administrative challenges that Harbaugh and his staff faced Sunday night at SoFi Stadium. I thought we both kind of felt like Todd Munkin summed it up best. Yeah, I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Tuesday, November 28th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our friends at GEHA. So Sarah, veteran pass rusher Jadavian Clowney continues to be a force for Baltimore. But John Harbaugh went as far as to say that one specific play he made Sunday night was Hall of Fame-esque, and ultimately... It was one of the key differences in deciding the Week 12 outcome. Plus, we've got injury updates on David Ajabo and Tyus Bowser, one of which is a disappointing season-ending surgery. Yeah, we've got all that more coming up. So thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. So week 13, for us, it's a bye. So this is actually the last time you and I will be together for several days. I'm hitting the road for a uh, Europe backpack trip with my younger brother. Looking forward to that. But as always, except if it's like July 4th week when we, we go dark, one of us is always uh, helping out the other. Keep and that's moving. you this week. Yep. So so huge thanks, obviously, in advance for for everything you have coming up this week. And I look forward to getting more involved next week actually while i'm still on the ground there and just doing a little bit of travel also with content because 10 days is a long time so anyway with that in mind i think when i'm watching these press conferences from monday right it was coordinators on top of harbaugh so there's a lot to discuss uh, as a result i was kind of taken aback by and maybe not taken aback but definitely like the antenna popped off when the, the ronnie stanley discussion came up and we know that it has been an up and down season. It's been an up and down several years for him since that catastrophic ankle injury several years ago. Well, this year, it's the knee that's bothering him, Sarah. And our guy, Cole Jackson, put together the week 12 pressures allowed by the Ravens offensive line uh, on Sunday night. And remember, this was without Joey Bosa, like we mentioned. This game could have been completely different had he not been placed on IR earlier last week. 
Barani leads the way with six total pressures allowed. Moses allowed three. Simpson and Linderbaum allowed two. And Kevin Zeitler had a clean game at right guard uh, with zero. And as Cole noted, that's Zeitler's third clean sheet this season. In his last five games, Zeitler has allowed just two pressures. So Old Reliable continues to get it done. One of the best free agent acquisitions probably under the radar in recent memory for the Ravens, but shall we play the Harbaugh and Munkin sound on Ronnie and then react to it on the other side? That's a great plan. All right. So here's Harbaugh. And this is a, the first part of this is the reporter asks, will the bye week itself help Ronnie? Will that be a positive thing for him given they don't play until December 10th? I, I do think that it's going to be beneficial for him. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's something that's been, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not been great. You know, it's. I think he'd probably be the first to tell you it's not been great. He needs to. He needs to get stronger and he needs to get his technique right and he needs to get out of practice and and to keep growing back into. You know, his his he's a great player. You know, we want to get him back to playing at that high level. So you don't want to put words in Harb's mouth, but as you and I are putting together our our notes for this one in our pre meeting, your first glance was like, well, was he talking about his his play or was he talking about his injury? Now, having watched that again, where, where are you at with it now? Uh, I think that uh, it was kind of funny because he did say it would be beneficial, uh, meaning answering the question that having time off would, would help him be healed. And then we'll get more into what he's been dealing with from Todd Munkin's point of view. Um, but then, yeah. So when he said it hasn't been great, it hasn't been great. I couldn't, to me, it was vague. Was he referring to his health or was he referring to, uh, his play like because both I don't think have been great so I don't know which one exactly he was referring to but then when he said you know he's got to get out at, pr at practice and work on his technique now an injury can certainly hurt hurt somebody's technique and he's saying that you got to get stronger and I do think that Stanley pretty consistently for a couple years now um, takes I think Fridays off is it uh, it's at least one day a week that it seems like he does take off so um you know, uh, so that's what I'm, uh, that's what I was kind of left confused. It did seem like he's like, he wants them out at practice. So there's obviously, which all coaches do. So yeah. it seems to me that he feels like he could practice more, but also acknowledges that he's dealing with an injury and it is affecting him. But when he said, you know, he's got to get out to practice, that's probably the one that like made me perk up most. Yeah, I thought my first glance was that it was all in. Like it was all under that that umbrella, uh, like the mm. of, of availability, but also play, injury, all that. Now, spe speaking to the injury, that's kind of what, what you were alluding to there that Munkin got into during his answer. I think that's more of a question for Ronnie. You know, again, uh, credit to him. He's, he's tried to work through it and come back and um, for the team. Um, certainly... Um, he would probably say it's not at where his knee wants to be, you know. Um, but he's continued to work through it. And like I said, each week it's getting stronger, you know, and he's been able to fight through it. So, again, um, again, it'd be more of a question for Ronnie than it would be for us, you know. Um, I give him a lot of credit for getting out there and continuing to play. So some more numbers here from Cole Jackson, who's obviously as, as the offensive line guru uh, for Ravens Twitter has kind of been digging into a lot of this. And he was asked, you know, can you quantify just how bad Ronnie has, has been this year? And, and Cole said some of the rankings among offensive tackles with at least 
490 snaps. Here's where, where Ronnie sits. Tied 19th in total pressures allowed. Tied 10th in pressures allowed in true pass sets. Uh, tied 21st in sacks allowed. Tied 11th in sacks allowed in true pass sets. In terms of pass block efficiency per snap, Ronnie ranks ninth worst among offensive tackles. And as as Cole notes, that's the key one. So it has been a struggle for him. It, it's been He's been inconsistent. We know that he's been unavailable for a little bit of the season where Patrick McCarry filled in admirably at left tackle, as he so often does up and down this line. We know that they have a lot of in- money invested in him from, from several years ago when they paid him. And when we're talking about free agency, franchise left tackles aren't just sitting there every single offseason. And so we already mentioned that there's a time and a place for that conversation, which is not now. But if, if this continues to, to, to be a point of, of concern, which it clearly is based on what you heard there from, from Harbaugh and Munkin, and the eye test and what we've watched unfold, then that might have to be something that's at the top of their list this offseason. Yeah, well, I mean, we say it's, it's, it's a conversation for the offseason, but, you know, keep talking about it. So, <laughs> I don't know. I keep bringing Are, you it know. up. <laughs> yeah, so, listen, um, Ronnie Stanley, there's no way he's fallen off this much with just because he's worse. Okay, it's definitely got to be linked to injuries. And he had that knee rolled up on. It was pretty bad. I can't remember. It was very early in the season. He's clearly been battling it all offseason. It's extremely frustrating to watch, which is why yesterday during the game, I tweeted, Ronnie Stanley's killing me. It's extremely frustrating to watch in the moment. And then when you get out of it, you've got to take a step back and just be like, what what is the way forward right now in week going into week 13 thereby it is not it's it's what harbaugh said let's just get stronger let's deal with all that in the off season if we need a draft oh, fine we'll deal with all that but right now where the ravens are in the number 1 seed in the afc what is the best solution right now and to me you don't throw your former all-pro left tackle in the trash, especially if he is dealing with an injury. And that's what Todd Munkin said. Now, in the past, he had been criticized because, remember, he had the ankle, and then people were like, man, he's not even toughing through it. He's not even toughing through it. He's deciding not to play. He's deciding not to play. Well, it sounds like he is playing through something now. And so we're going to have a lesser product, obviously. Um, So, but it still has to change. Something has to change now. So it's either that it's it's he finds a way to get healthy through the, these two weeks off, at least healthier to where he's not giving up all these pressures that really he's too good to be giving up that many pressures. He's too good for it. So get stronger. If he can't get strong enough, then you have the conversation about McCary being in there. But, you know, frankly, I don't know that Morgan Moses is completely healthy either. He's been dealing with stuff, and I could see McCary being on either side, you know. So that's what the focus has to be. Let's get these guys healthy. Let's get them some chippers when needed. And if McCary is a better option than where they're feeling at that time, then fine. But this is where we are at now. And the best, the most ideal would be that he does indeed, they both get more healthy and they play to their normal standard. 
And that's that's where we're at. That's that's all the Ravens can do right now. That's all Ronnie can do. That's all Moses can do is take care of their bodies, get to get to practice, and do the best they can. Well, it feels somewhat similar to the conversation that we were having a few weeks ago surrounding Marcus Williams, which as he continues yeah. to bear through his pec, right, his pectoral setback, that conversation's taking a back seat, right? And right. So, well, because he's gotten healthier and stronger, right? And yes. and he's playing better, and so he's still. Not the Marcus Williams we're used to, but that you hit you hit the nail on the head. That's the dream. Can we have a Marcus Williams type getting healthy as we go along for both of the Ravens starting tackles? That's the dream. If not, you know who we have waiting in the wings. Yes, yes. And in the meantime, you have time on your side over the course mm-hmm. of the next 10 days to get yourself right, to get yourself rehabbed. Hopefully he stays in town or whatever he's got to do. Maybe he'll maybe he goes back to Vegas. But he, he gets the help that he needs to put mm-hmm. himself in the best position for success to protect Lamar Jackson's blind side and ultimately be a key factor in the way that they play offensive football down the stretch. And, and that's the biggest thing. I know we got another topic to get on to, but that's the biggest thing. The number one priority is to protect Lamar Jackson, who's most capable of protecting your franchise quarterback because the Ravens can literally absorb a Mark Andrews going down Humphrey going down, Stanley going down. I haven't seen Roquan go down yet. I don't want to. I don't want to figure out what that looks like. But pretty and minus Roquan because he's only been here for uh, almost a full season now. Minus Roquan, the only player the Ravens have not been able to overcome in terms of injury is Lamar Jackson. So whatever you got to do, you need to put in the best people to protect Lamar at all costs. Add Dobbins to that list as well, thanks to an undrafted yeah. rookie and a guy who, who's been around a long time and Gus Edwards and, and, of course, the committee flanked by Justice Hill. A big topic of conversation on our post-game show after the Chargers game was the administrative issues that was very vaguely touched on in the post-game press conference by John Harbaugh related to the challenges or lack thereof with a couple of the Uh, third down spots by officiating and also the forward pass challenge that he did throw the flag for he did throw his his challenge flag for harbs addressed all of that and gave a lot more detail and then we'll also hear uh, you're essentially paraphrasing of what todd munkin had to say which is probably the he offered the most clarification in my mind Mm -hmm. at least i walked away a lot more i'd say familiar um, and in tune with what they were getting at but here's Harb spending over a minute uh, discussing it. Yeah, well, there were administrative issues, even on the field goals. I mean, the field goals were running down on us every single time. We had the one delay a game. That was odd. You know, the guys are pretty much in the same rhythm. So we were struggling with uh, the administrat- administrative aspect of the, of the plays pretty much the whole game. But when we look back and look at the uh, challenges, not really. I mean, the one on the sideline with Lamar, we looked at that closely this morning. We didn't have uh, the views that you had later on TV. We didn't have those before the next play, you know, where they spliced together the angles. And it didn't look like on the angle we had during the game that we would win it. And going back and looking at the spliced angle, we wouldn't have won it. I mean, they aren't, they're not going to overturn that on, with what the angles that they had. So um, that would have cost us a timeout, and, and a, we would have been out of challenges. The other one we thought was a first down. I mean, everybody in the stadium thought that was a first down. It came on TV in our press box as a first down, and uh, we thought he pointed first down. So we called a we called a we called a first down play there. So we wasted a play on that one administratively. So that was one you'd like to have back. We regret the fact that we didn't realize that they marked it short 
as we looked at it, it shouldn't have been marked short. Uh, they should have caught it upstairs anyway with the uh, replay official, but they didn't. So we'll take responsibility for that. That's one that we thought was a first down. Um, as far as the one, uh, the one we did challenge, I think that was the right challenge. You know, you did the best you could. We didn't have the, the view of it stop start, and it ended up being straight across even. So, you know, that's a 17 yard play on third and long. That's a high leverage type opportunity. You've got to challenge that one in that situation. So I think looking back, we probably did the right thing. I know we did the right things, given the information we had and even looking back on it. So um, I definitely I remember yesterday when we were talking post game and I said that I needed more information. Like when he said that there was there were problems with the down and distance all game long. And he kept saying the word administrative. Now, a day later, not only hearing from him and Munkin, which I'll, I'll explain what Munkin said, but also from people who have reached out to me on Twitter that were at the game. And these are people I trust. Skep, who, who played Division I quarterback you know, football. Uh, other, Daniel Ross, who goes on film study almost all the time with Ken McCusick. They were both at the game. They both said, all game long, there were issues with down and distance. All game long for both sides. And so um, so when Harbaugh said administrative issues, he can't, he's gonna get fined if he calls out the, the officials. He can't do it. He also isn't gonna say, hey, you know, I'm letting my offensive coordinator kind of get into a rhythm. And and Munkin said, Munkin said, they asked him, and this is where I'll paraphrase what Munkin said, especially on Aguilar. Because I can accept, actually, the Lamar Jackson one. Uh, the broadcast seemed to think there was evidence to overturn it. Harb didn't feel like it, even with hindsight. Okay, I mean, we'll never know because it wasn't challenged. I thought uh, my initial eye, and again, I have the TV view, it, did, it looked like a backwards pass to me. I understand what he's saying with taking the risk and challenging it. Okay, you know, I guess I, I, I give him a small ding on that because I, I thought it was a backwards plat pass. I thought it was clear. Now, the Aguilar one, which to me was the most baffling after yesterday, is now the most clear to me today. Because Munkin, they asked him, what did it feel like when you called a play for first down? You run it and you look up and it's like, oh, that was third down. And he said, he goes, it felt awful. He goes... <laughs> Then what did he say? He goes, it felt awful. It, it was like, oh, bleep. Oh, sh you know, shoot. He's like, um, it's, it's fourth down now. And he was just like, that felt awful. And so then he goes into and says, you know what? He goes, I can't get fined, right? They don't find assistant coaches. I can talk about this, you know? So he clearly is ready to like challenge it thinking he's not going to get fined or maybe he is wrong and he will get fined because then he laid into it and he said, he said, look, he goes, and he goes, look, it's my fault. It's my fault. Refs make mistakes. I make mistakes. He goes, but I looked down there and the ref ran over there and he pointed to where it was down. And he goes, he pointed out to a first down play. So I go, I go back to the broadcast to see if I can find it. I did. I pulled the screen grab. That ref is definitely pointing to a first down. I mean, that is clear as day. So as the coordinator, you see a first down, you quickly look down and you start you know, looking for your next play calls. Then John, as we just heard in that clip, he says, even in the, throughout the stadium, everybody thought it was a first down. Even on the TV, it said first and 10. So I went and looked and it did say 
first and 10. Let me move it. So it says first and 10. Now, as many people have pointed out on Twitter, though, is that you can see the yellow first down marker and you can see that they still have about a foot to go. And then there is a marker there with the chains that say third down. Now, to be fair, it said first and 10 forever. And then they switched this view with the with the yellow marker, like right before the snap. So, uh, listen, you still got to put it on your team. Look, you got to overcome the referees sometimes. Players sometimes have to do it. The coaches sometimes have to do it. And with these guys saying that they were having trouble all game long with the down and distance, the argument can be made that, well, with knowing that they were bad all game long, they should have been more alert to it. Sure. You know what I mean? So, so I guess what I'm saying is, is I still think that there's some criticism to be had for both Harbaugh and Munkin, but it's not as egregious as it felt yesterday at, after the game. It's not as egregious because it is already this, this bang, bang game. You're moving quickly. How many times have the Ravens been criticized for not getting to the line of scrimmage quickly enough, you know? And so like if they slow it, you know what I mean? So so they are fast-paced moving, but it's also their job to catch it. And the, 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 the chains were not moved. They weren't moved. So they should have caught it. I just don't think it was as egregious as it, as it initially seemed because it, it did seem like both sides of the ball were trying to overcome what these refs were doing with the down and distance. And that's not – the refs got to fix that. To me, there should be more ire on the refs, but still a little bit reserved for the Ravens coaches. Okay. First of all, that was well done the way you just put all that out there. And I think I need to take back a H word that I used for the game management yesterday, which was horrific. It was uh, not horrific now that I have a lot of this context. So thank you. Uh, but it still could have been, still still not been better. Yes, yeah. it still yeah, could have yeah. been better. Yeah. I think both, both things can be true. <laughs> all right. Before we move on to more about the defense, which we can't talk about them enough before we do. This episode is brought to you by our friends at GEHA, as you heard at the top. And for over 86 years, GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, has offered medical and dental benefits designed to meet the unique needs of federal employees and retirees, mil military retirees, and their families. And with over 2 million members and growing, GEHA continues to serve those members and families who serve all of us every single day. GEHA, Government Employees Health Association, your friend in federal since 1937. We know federal because we only provide benefits for federal. Federal Drive is presented by GEHA. Again, that's Government Employee Health Association, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families for 86 years. Visit GEHA.com to learn more. So here's what the group did just in review. Points allowed on just two of the 11 Los Angeles drives, three total sacks, three fumbles recovered, one interception, and 3.9 yards per play allowed. This is an offense that, yes, it's been an underwhelming season collectively for the Los Angeles Chargers. There's no doubt about it. And I would imagine their head coach is on the hot seat based on the way that he acted during last week's press conference. But this is a, a group that, when clicking on all cylinders, they can put up points. And so for the Ravens' defense to have stifled them the way they did, I, I just thought that it started up front started on the edge, and this guy, man, Jadavian Clowney, are you kidding me? He has his most pressures in a season since 2018 with 55 
through 12 weeks of football. And with his 16.9 pass rush win rate and 17.5% pressure rate, both are career highs by a good margin, as Brad Spielberger tweeted out here. And remember, on the monetary side of things, just to speak to the value that the Ravens are getting out of him from a front office standpoint, he was signed that late summer move, right, for $2.5 million. Here's John Harbaugh. And then the one long drive they had also, that, uh, and then Jadavian Clowney coming up with that, that play. I'm going to tell you, what, I, I failed to mention that last night. It just didn't hit my mind. That, that, was, that might have been the play of the game. I mean, that brush, that sack, that recovery, the whole thing was just, uh, I mean, I mean, just a Hall of Fame type play. So, The strip sack that he's referring to there, that yeah, J.D. looked was, like he... The yeah. second one. The, the second, second one. I guess, forced fumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called it the, the Hall of Fame play, a pivotal play in the game that ultimately helped decide this one. Mm. And Sarah, look at this. The most pressures in the NFL, look at the names that are on this list. And Jadavian finds himself right in the mix here. Micah Parsons, of course, leads the league for Dallas at 71. This list goes from 71. And at the bottom, Dexter Lawrence is 53. Jadavian's at 55 right now, next to names like TJ Watt and Aaron mm. Donald. I mean, yeah, RG3, mm. you're probably on to something. <laughs> Jadavian Clowney to the Ravens, he tweeted, is one of the best offseason additions in the NFL this year. Kyle Van Noy checking in. By the way, if you all didn't know, oh, this is about Kyle Hamilton. No, we'll that's get to a him different one. A My bad. I, I meant to cut that one off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll get to him. Oh, don't you worry. We'll get to Kyle yeah. in just a bit because there's nobody sleeping on him anymore. But certainly, certainly nobody's sleeping on Jadavian Clowney, number 24 for Baltimore. Okay. So Hall of Fame esque <laughs> might be slight hyperbole. Only, only because if he did that in the playoffs, right? Then I'm like, okay, now we're now we're talking about something. But, but I, you know, I get his point. Like Jadavian was so freaking good Sunday night. He was so good. And Bobby, I was listening, and I'll get into this more in the next um, morning vault. There was just so much from the press conferences that we didn't get to any immediate national media reaction, which is. You know, people always say they don't like it, but <laughs> people They're like lying. it. They like to hear what's being said. Uh, there's a difference between what you think you want to want to, what you think you want to watch, and what you do actually watch. And it's so funny because people really do consume consume what the national media are saying. So anyway, we'll we'll get to that in tomorrow's morning vault. You'll be on on a plane, or you'll be somewhere in Europe at that point, enjoying <laughs> your life. I'll get into that tomorrow. But as I was looking at some of the national media. Dan Orlovsky was making a case that the Ravens don't have a closer, right? Don't have a closer yet. Like who's the guy that you always know you can go to. So for the Browns, it's miles Garrett or for the Steelers, it's TJ Watt. Who's always going to make a play. And that's on the defensive side or on the offensive side. It's, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, you know, sometimes it's Lamar, but the fourth quarter hasn't been the best for the Ravens. So you can't really say anybody on offense has been a closer for the Ravens this year. And so, if Jadavian Clowney in this game, Clowney was a closer. It, you know what I mean? He was a closer. Yeah. And by the way, so was Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers was a closer in this game. And so if Jadavian, who has been a revelation this season, now consistently can be, and I said this, I said there are some, there are, I said this yesterday, TJ Watts, a guy that like draws my attention to him this year. That has been Jadavian. He is just, when I'm watching on the TV screen, I can't help, but like go down and look where he is because he's 
so relentless and looks like a problem for the opposing offensive line. So I, I'm going to reserve the Hall of Fame kind of talk, but he has been so phenomenal. And if he continues to do that down the stretch, December, January, February, if, if the Ravens are so blessed, then yeah, then, then we can start talking about that. Doing all of this, meanwhile, in his 30th year, he's been around the NFL for a long time. We know he spent his last couple of years in Cleveland, which did not end well this past offseason. But hey, life after Cleveland can be good, as he's realizing. And, and that's been exactly that. And you got to wonder if a potential extension is going to be worked up for him before the end of the season, if he keeps this up or perhaps next offseason. As promised, though, Kyle Hamilton is showing up and showing out in year two, put together another really solid, stout performance defensively for Baltimore. Six targets, three receptions, just 26 yards allowed, one forced incompletion, a 61.8 passer rating allowed. The guy can do it in nickel. The guy can be up on you and press. The guy's affecting you because of how rangy he is in terms of pass deflections. Sarah, this guy in, in year two really, really is developing well, and people are taking notice, including some of his teammates, Kyle Van Noy from that previous slide. Uh, by the way, if you all didn't know, Kyle Hamilton, a.k.a. K-Ham, is a superstar. He's elite. Geno Stone making sure everybody know that Kyle Hamilton is a dog, and there he is. I guess one of the sideline photographers gave up his or her lens, and there's number 14 taking some photography in-game. I guess that's what you get when you're flying around the way he has been. When vets or former players or players from other teams that are great are calling out Ravens young players, Kyle Hamilton in his second year, Zay Flowers is a rookie, Tyreek Hill saying, you know, that Zay Flowers is a star. Then you got Kyle Van Noy. You've got uh, so many people talking about Kyle Hamilton. I mean, calling him a superstar. These, this is music to my ears, music to my ears that you've got these guys, first rounders in, in house for it you know 5 years if they yeah. if they decided to to exercise a fifth year option bobby what's crazy and we got to wait till the all 22 film comes out but you're a guy uh simply aj is that it oh yeah alex silverman okay there we go he put out a video but it was all broadcast stuff so we can't put it on youtube he put out a video of highlights from Kyle Hamilton just from this game Bobby, he was everywhere. Yeah, those stats that we just that you just ticked off doesn't come close to doing justice to what he brought to that football field in LA Sunday night. Bobby, he was essentially unblockable. There were a couple, I think it was a screen, maybe it was a dump off, but some dude tried to block him and he just ran just ran right over him and got the tackle. He did that a few times where he just like just swatted the blocker out of the way. So that's what he's doing against the run or these or these close um passes. Then he would go in deep coverage and dive with those long, the long 6'4 body and whatever his wingspan is and knocks it down. I mean literally dime nickel safety blitz i mean whatever you wanted from him he was unstoppable and i've got to find all 22 stuff i mean we've got it we've got the bye week so we'll have time to review it uh but we've got to highlight some of these plays that just he couldn't he like they they didn't have an answer for him 
I think his father, who played professional basketball overseas, will appreciate this analogy. But Kyle can protect the rim, but then also contribute to the backcourt. For for you basketball mm-hmm. fans out there, you understand mm-hmm. that, right? He is, like you said, the wingspan, the versatility, the lateral quickness, the angles, the discipline in space. I mean, he really is rounding out. And it feels like a long time ago that he got cooked by that. Uh, I, I always forget his name. It was a practice squad wide receiver during the open practice. Um Oh, I'm not going to get it right now. I'm sure the comment section will. But and somebody from the M&T Bank Stadium stands took a video of it, and Kyle, next yeah. thing you know, is going viral, and everybody's like, "Who is this dude? He's a fraud. He's this. He's that." Right, Are right. You, he, come on, this guy is is as advertised, and the rest of the league, 13 teams to be exact, or 13 slots allowed him to fall to the Ravens a couple years ago, and they are taking advantage of that. Here's Harbs. Yeah, I've seen just what you guys have seen. I think Garrett's he's been he's been something. You know, he's just he's all over the field, and he and he, we give him we put more on his plate every single week, and he and he makes the most of it. You know, he cleans his plate. You know, so we'll keep putting more on there. You know, and uh, but he's, I think he's he's kind of a reflection of the whole defense right now. They they they're hungry. They want to get better. They want more. Uh, they want they want uh, they they hate when they don't you know make a play any any type of play. Uh, that's what you love about him. I think he's kind of you know, him and all the guys. They're just kind of in the same mold that way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like the Thanksgiving reference there from Harbs a few days after, mm-hmm. but Spencer Schultz put together some more numbers if you're not satisfied yet. And Kyle's the fourth most targeted safety in football entering week 13, 44 targets to be exact. He's allowing the eighth lowest passer rating when targeted. It's a score of 58.0. He's got the ninth most pass breakups with four. He's got the second most stops with 25. First in sacks with three from the Indianapolis game when he was blitzing all over the freaking field in M&T Bank in that rainy day before all hell broke loose in the second half. That's hilarious that that first ranking is still holding up from that game. Let's get him a couple more here. (laughs) Seriously, come on, Mike. You send everybody else, send him too. Come on. Second in most pressures with 14 and 501 coverage snaps leads all safeties. uh, And it's third in the NFL, defensively speaking. So, yeah, Spenny did a good job here of spelling it out, just how special of a year he's been. And I tell you what, I probably shorthanded him a little bit mostly because it was just off the cuff last night when we were asked, it was a super chat feature, we were asked about 
you know, which defensive players for the Ravens are going to be Pro Bowl players. Well, Kyle should be at the top of that list. So, and if these numbers don't tell you that, I'm not sure what do. Yeah, uh, I definitely think he's worthy. Should we move on to some injury updates? Yeah, because I don't I don't think any of these are surprising per se, but it is disappointing in a sense, being that David Ajabo's year is done. Here's Harbs. Yes, um, David Ajabo had surgery last week late, uh, actually in L.A., uh, to repair a uh, partially torn ACL. He had to make a decision uh, about it um, in terms of whether to risk it or not. And every, every, every medical expert said to get it fixed because it, it would have said he wanted to play. But and even, even I told him, I said, man, you got you to gotta get that right for the rest of your career because it's a clean type of a surgery. And he'll be rolling again, uh, you know, training camp at the latest. He'll be rolling. So that, that's what he did. So I remember a couple tough years for Ajabo who tore his Achilles on that Michigan Pro Day, which has been widely talked about over the last couple of years. But so far, through two seasons, uh, just five games for the Ravens. That's all they've gotten out of them. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we've learned our lesson from Kyle Hamilton, who we just talked about, and Patrick Queen and Odafe Owe. Uh, certainly disappointing that through two years, you know, a second-round pick hasn't been able to contribute and it's probably more frustrating to him, which is probably why, as Harbs alluded to, he wanted to play through it, and everybody's like, better get the surgery instead. So, um, you know, can't can't give up on him too soon. There's still two more years left on that contract, and let's see what he can do. And then, meanwhile, as we know, like I- I'm just not gonna, I'm just no. not gonna get frustrated about it anymore. But Tyus Bowser, <laughs> he just said his he's got an angry knee. He's got an angry <laughs> knee. So it clearly isn't cooperating and they apparently haven't given up hope on it, but I have. And if I'm, if they, I would happy to be pleasantly surprised later on. Oh yeah. No, there's, there's no hope on this show. We love Tyus. Tyus Mm -hmm. is a good dude, but we don't have any hope for any kind of return. And, uh, not this season, you know, Harb says is he's Tyus is not ready to start his, his 21 day window to return from IR, which means he remains, on the non-football injury list, and uh, they are just not there yet with the knee. Whatever that might mean, up for interpretation at this point, as we've covered extensively. In terms of some quick hits, and this first came out when we were actually live on Sunday night, and that is Vic Tafer's report from The Athletic out in Vegas, that the Raiders did indeed end up releasing Marcus Peters. He had an interception return for a touchdown in Week 8. I believe that was on primetime football, if I'm not mistaken, but was benched on Sunday. And the move now saves the team a million and a half in incentives and, and that Peters, Peters was on pace to earn those. So remember, I, I saw some reports when we were live that this was a coach's decision. There were some reports out there that that decision was cited by a lack of effort in, in specific games that led to losses. And so now for Juice Man, who certainly is not getting any younger, and is is looking for work, you got to wonder who, who's going to take a chance on him this late in the year. Uh, maybe injuries will, will, will pave the way for that opportunity, but based on how things were with him and Harbaugh in Baltimore, and now this, you wonder if there's sort of um, a risk versus reward strategy as a front office that you have to go through before signing a player like this. Yeah, I think if the Ravens were didn't have somebody like Darby stepping up or Arthur Millette stepping up with, and then Brandon Stevens being a revelation this season too, 
then it'd be like, oh, let's jump on this. But it feels like they're in a pretty good spot. It sounds like Marlon Humphrey's going to be good to go after the bye. Yeah. So it feels like the Ravens are in a good spot. And like you said, if there were an injury or a couple, then, you know, then something to revisit. But I think the Ravens are in a good spot where they are. They're um, in a good spot here too. <laughs> yeah, so the Ravens' projections heading into the bye per ESPN Analytics make the playoffs 98.7%. But I'm still not going to get too excited because I remember the Ravens have had 99.9% chances to either win games or make the playoffs, and Lamar goes down, and who knows what could happen. So until it says 100%, I'm not totally comfortable, but we're in a good spot, making the playoffs 98.7%. Win the AFC North, 77.1% chance. I wonder, I would imagine Steelers are number two on that list. The number one seed to keep it, uh, 22.5%. I've got to definitely have a segment on that, on whether or not they can keep the number one seed. I've got some thoughts on that. Okay. And then the remaining strength of schedule is the third toughest. So uh, it's that part, the strength of schedule, that's going to make it tough, but not impossible to keep the number one seed. Yeah, and based on metrics, there are some out there too. I think it was DVOA that actually says the remaining is the toughest. So it's just a matter of, you know, analytically, yeah. how are you putting these numbers together? Bottom line is it does not get any easier after this Rams game. Uh, you know, we're, we're not expecting the Rams to necessarily be a challenge. You can't just obviously blow past them. But after that, it, it, and there's some more primetime football too, including Christmas night against yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. This was pretty yeah. funny. You pulled this in, so have some fun with this. <laughs> yeah, well, real quick. The, 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 the Rams will be a challenge, but not like a Miami challenge or a 49ers challenge, you know, kind of to your point. So anyway, this this picture got was making the rounds on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> everywhere, where, you know, the broadcast got a shot of Munkin in the coaching booth, you know, looking down on the field and up above him are some more coaches. And there's a coach kind of sitting over his left hand, sh his left shoulder. And I'm not going to lie. It, I get where people are coming from. That kind of does look like Greg Roman. <laughs> so everybody is like, what the heck are they sneaking Greg Roman back in there? Yada, yada, yada. But I know that that wouldn't be, you know, anywhere possible and there's no way they would just sneak him in so i'm like all right who is that it's mike devlin who <laughs> you know you can kind of see it right i mean because he had the glasses on he's got the hat on he got the headset on it kind of looks like him but it is mike devlin the assistant offensive line coach so no there is no greg roman in the coaching room one other thing i've gotten a ton of questions on which i'll just really quickly is everybody's asking Sarah, what do you think? Should Zay Flowers have taken a knee at the one-yard line or go ahead and punched it in like he did to take the touchdown? I'll tell you what. First of all, I felt like either way they were going to ice the game. Like 10 points up yeah. with the way the defense was playing. Wasn't too nervous. Now you do risk, you know, putting defensive players on there and getting injuries, but that didn't happen. So plus, plus I liked that the offense ended on a high note. I didn't want to leave with like 13 points on the board. I, I feel like it was good for their mojo. You know what I mean? I feel like it's good for Zay. I feel like it's good for these guys knowing what they have. So I liked it for the offense. But then also knowing now how the refs were screwing things up left and right, I would not want to put that ball to kneel down for those whatever minutes. I think it was like a minute and a half. Who knows what could have been screwed up with the clock management and all of that. So get me the 10 points, put it in the defense's hands. So I'm happy that Zay knocked it in. And just, just to add on to that, Munkin was asked about it. And he took the took the fall for like, oh, I, I just wasn't thinking. Because it's almost like he admitted that 
since they were so far out, he wasn't thinking about scoring a touchdown in that moment. Right. And and Zay's just like, no, nah, I'm taking this thing 37 yards of the house. Forget the exchange, the issues that we had on the exchange, at least from, you know, from our angle, it looked like they did. So that was kind of cool. And and Zay was even asked about a post game too. He wasn't mentioned. Todd, 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 if you haven't already done so after this video, go watch Todd Munkin's Monday press conference yeah. because he is a must listen, must watch kind of guy. We've talked about it so many times before. He's a lot of fun to watch. It's because he's so transparent. So yes. he's, he's funny because I respect both of them, but him and Mike McDonald are polar opposites at the podium. Completely. It just lets you know that like your communication abilities really does not affect like whether you're this, you know, great coach, but Bunkin's a blast to listen to, uh, McDonald. It's like, do, should I even listen? Because I know he's not given any <laughs> quotes that are even worth highlighting or whatnot. Oh. So, but it is fun to listen to Munkin because he is so clearly transparent. So good. He's, he's swearing. He's having a good time. He's going out of the picture frame to show you what the officials were doing at the spot. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was hysterical. Yeah. Shout out to two of our returning patrons, uh, DJB and Douglas McLaughlin are supporting everything we're building here inside the channel through Patreon this month. And we appreciate them. If you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering here this month and partner, uh, 12 weeks down. Thank you in advance for all the help this week. Like I said, I'll be back probably in spurts next week. We'll kind of just attack this thing day by day. I know you're going to have a nice little off-season trip with the family planned as well. So looking forward to returning the favor as always. But yeah, uh, here we go. So thank you. I hope you have an absolute blast. Take the the needed time off. Get some sleep, by the way. Don't go overnight all the time on two hours, three hours of rest. Uh, So, but man, I hope you give your brother my best and uh, just have an absolute blast. Thanks to everybody for your their patience along the lines of my my uh, my sicknesses that seem to be popping up a little bit too often. I went to the counter today behind the counter and I went with Sudafed DM. My mom's request, and so it's it's already starting to open up for today. me. Yeah, yep. we're we're taking a step forward, and uh, and Femi, shout out Femi for for <laughs> he sees all over me about the immune boosting that I need to do. So I think that's a priority of mine once I land stateside. So shout hey man, out these Femi. athletes know how to take care of their body. You take whatever <laughs> advice he he's willing right. to give. I'm a yes man whenever he hits me up when we get back for <laughs> sure. So for my co-host and partner Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from. This Tuesday morning, Vault, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a great start this year, obviously, and we're looking forward to that final stretch on the back end. If you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing and liking this video if you enjoyed the content. Shout out to GEHA, this episode's sponsor. We'll talk to you soon.